welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So we're continuing with our study of reasons why people don't believe in God. Now, the first one that comes up on the radar today is is pretty interesting, I think, and it's kind of a hard one to to wrap your your hands around. For this, and I'll explain. The reason it says is Christians preach love, but show hate. Okay, they preach love and show hate. Now. This is, and I'm I'm not going to to dismiss this. One. I'm, it's because that would be foolish. The issue is, you really have to get into definitions. You really have to get into definitions. What do they consider love, and what do they consider hate? Um. This article I'm looking at says it has a quote that someone stated that there's no hate like Christian love. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. It really does because again, what do you mean by love? If you mean love as no matter what you say, no matter how crazy it is, I'm going to agree with you 100%. And if I don't agree with you, that means I hate you then that's not right. Because everyone ought to be able to have a free thought. And, uh, I mean, we may not agree with the free thoughts, but but as long as they're in their head, uh, you know, you need to kind of let them do it. (laughs) Because if you don't have free thought, then basically you're living in, in a society that just obliterates free thinking. And that is just doomed destruction right there that so the uh, and and I would you know I don't agree with Bill Maher and and he is a very staunch atheist but I agree that he ought to be able to uh express his viewpoints in the US um there's a lot of people that I don't agree with that I still think they need to be able to say what they're saying now Obviously, and when you're talking about free speech and stuff, people go, "Well, what about screaming uh, fire in a crowded room?" Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just I'll just stop it because you're just going somewhere crazy on purpose. So, um, and the issue is is thinking. And then now, here's the problem. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh no, they can think what they want, but they better not tell anybody." Well, uh, you know, you're squashing free speech. I mean, you know, the Constitution was written for a reason, I guess. Right? But here's the thing. Um, what I'm seeing here is people are seeing a, a, a difference, a disparity in between love and they show hate. Well, exactly what what do they mean? They preach love and they, run and they, and they say you need to come and, and just hug people and just... And just give them kisses on the cheek and 
and throw twenty dollar bills at them. Um, and but but then you turn around and you and you beat them up and throw them out of the place. Is that what we're talking about? I mean, exactly what are we talking about? And a lot of the time, when you re when you see this kind of particular uh, delineation, it means that uh, <laughs> it means well, you hate, loathe, want to kill me. That's what they mean by hate. They mean hate is you're trying to 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 physically squash me and make me into nothing. And that's absolutely not what's happening. A lot of this has to do with the fact that um, there are uh, that in order to to say you love someone, you have to agree with them one hundred percent. Well, that's crazy talk. And the reason that's crazy talk is because two people who get married don't even do that. I mean. If there is, please take a picture of them because they're super, super rare. The issue is, you're, what are they calling love and what are they calling hate? Now, the biblical love, and by the way, there are several different versions of love in the Bible that are described. Some are not. Phileo is one, that's a Greek word. That's brotherly love, and it's a very paternal kind of thing. But you also, but God's love is described as agape, and agape love is not touchy feely squishy kind of love. It ain't that. It's not. A lot of times, what people think of love, they think of eros, which is which is a sensual kind of kind of love, very physical. God's love is not like that. God's love is, is this. I'm going to do what's right for you, even if I don't like it. Even if it costs me. And it did. God's love caused him to come down here when he didn't have to. And live a human life, which he didn't have to. And die a death to pay for the sin that everyone does. Past, present, and future. That was love. Love is a demonstrated kind of love. It's not outspoken. It's shown. God just didn't speak it alone. He showed. It says God demonstrated his love towards us in that Christ died for us. Now, so that God's love is very different than what people think. Because they think, it, you know, that uh, it means, oh, total acceptance of everything and anything that goes through your head, even if it's suicide. And and the answer is, no, that's not God's love. That's not, that, that's not at least how he's defining it in the Bible. Now, there might be some other sacred text somewhere else where, where, the, where you know, and by that I mean uh, other religions <laughs> that have a different thought process. But in the Bible itself, agape love is a self-sacrificial love where you give up from yourself in order to love somebody else. Now, and hate, by the way, hate, 
that has a myriad of different of different things going on with it as well. You know, because I think people would agree that hating an individual is is different than hating broccoli or a vegetable you don't like. But people, uh, and, and it's interesting, the word hate, which which comes up in the Old Testament, uh, I'm thinking specifically where there's a passage that refers to Jacob and Esau, and it said, it said, Jacob I love, Esau I hated. Well, he didn't hate Esau super, super bad, and Esau kept breathing. And, by the way, lived to be a fairly old age, and God gave him a whole mountain to live on. And if you look up, at least in the in the uh, in the Hebrew, it is a preferential situation. He he, you know, he preferred Jacob over Esau. Why? Because Jacob had faith in him. Now, um, but the complication is is the word hate has been hijacked. It's totally been hijacked. And, and now it means the most extreme thing you can possibly imagine that someone would, would do. Th that is what hate is. And they, they use, and you hear it normally, it's used in one or two different contexts. And it's always extreme, and it's it's not preferential. It's you know like oh geez, you know I, yeah, I really hate going to the move you know the movies or wow I hate paying that taxes. It doesn't mean you don't pay them. That means you just don't like it. Well, there's none of that when they use when they use that they use that word in the most extreme way. So I mean, were these churches like beating them up and throwing them out? Uh, I don't I don't get it from that perspective. Now, I'm going to say this though. There are churches that do not demonstrate the self-sacrificial love that God has for people in reaching out to them and helping people in their neighborhood, in their in their city, in their region. They don't. They just don't. And there are churches that seem to make a massive effort to make other people feel horrified or horrible. Um, I don't believe in uh, downplaying the sin that, well, sin itself, period, because it separates us from God and it's, self, and it's literally fatal. To your to your spiritual life and future, I don't believe in downplaying sin, but I also don't believe in taking people and rubbing their nose in it, because that is is arrogant and prideful, and that's not you know that's not what you see Jesus doing. When Jesus uh, went to the woman at the well and and he told her stuff like uh, you know. You know, hey, can you bring your husband here? And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, well, yeah, you're right, because you've been with seven different guys, and the guy you're with now is not your husband. Well, he told her about the sin, all right? But he didn't keep going. And, by the way, wow, what a, what a, what a 
nasty individual you are, you jerk. He didn't go on and on and on about what she was doing. He just addressed it and moved on to the next part of the conversation. And there's no indication in that passage that uh, that he rubbed her nose in that situation. Now, he did redirect her to himself because he was the Messiah. He was the hope. He was the way. And he directed her attention to himself from that perspective. But it wasn't a romantic thing because people go off on that stupidity. The issue is he's talking to her and salvation's coming to her. And by the way, she runs off to the village and says, hey, hey, I gotta tell you this. So, yes, are there churches that fall short of showing the kind of love that Jesus would show to someone? And respect, by the way. Yes. And are there churches that are just get their jollies on making people miserable? Unfortunately, that answer is true, but in my experience, that they are very few and very far between. Now, the next, the next um, reason that people don't believe in God, they say inconsistencies and outright contradictions. Um, and the subcap is basically that people don't understand why that if uh, if you only go to heaven because you believe in Jesus, why would you condemn? Why would you condemn people who's never who've never heard of him? Okay, good question. I think Paul kind of ad addresses this in Romans chapter 1 and 2. And let me, let me read this passage for a second. Bear with me. And then we'll unravel or unpack this for half a second. So we're going to start with Romans 1.18. And it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanging the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lust in their hearts and to impurity. 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions and so forth. But uh, the issue here is that these people knew the revelation of God through His creation. That's what it's getting at. or That's an accepted thought process on that. Now, now, getting back to the thought, the thought of okay, but wait a minute. You guys say Jesus is the only way. This isn't mentioned Jesus. So there's a teaching, and it's and uh, the fancy term for it is progressive revelation, and it's a principle really. And the principle is this: that the living God of the universe, if you respond to Him. At whatever level you're at, when you move toward him, he moves toward he moves toward you, and will reveal himself to you. That means if there is a person who responds to God in a favorable way, God will send additional information until that person hears about Jesus. Now, an example in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, is a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion, which means he had about a hundred guys underneath him. He was not a wuss. Um, but he was a believer. Now, he was a believer in God in that he was Roman, and Romans had their own belief system, okay? But he was described as a God-fearer, which means he acknowledged the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe. He acknowledged God, and he, uh, he did that by learning more about the faith God had set up, and that was Judaism. Okay, Now, did he convert to Judaism? No, he did not. There's no indication he did that. But being a God-fearer, he respected and learned and studied and worshipped and gave money to the local synagogue. Now, because of his reaching toward God in that way, God sent him Peter to tell him in his house about Jesus. And it says he and his house were, house were saved. They believed in Jesus. So now, that is the principle or a example of the principle of progressive revelation. And that is that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... It says, he and he says repeatedly in the Old Testament, I do not glory in the destruction of the wicked. He's, God doesn't get his jollies by making sure people get smacked for what they're doing. 
Instead, it pains him, but guess what? If you got it coming and you earned it, you're going to get it. The wages of your sin's got wage. Wages of sin, it says in, in Romans, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But the wages of sin is death. Sin is fatal. It's fatal. No matter how small it is, like melanoma, just one little bitty section, this one little bitty freckle, and underneath that, whoo, every goes everywhere and it'll kill you fast. It's bad jazz. So the thing is, that's sin. But God will move toward you as and faster, actually, than you move towards him because he desires a relationship with everyone. A one-to-one -one personal relationship with everyone through his son, Jesus. Absolutely, he does. And uh, that's why, yes. Now, if people flat out have never heard of Jesus and never got a missionary, never got anybody that, that, that showed them anything, well, what happens to them? Then, at that juncture, they're judged on how far they move toward God in doing what they know is right in their, in their hearts and minds. Because, by the way, the conscience was put in us, and, you, and I, I get some people are like, right now, no, there's pathological people that don't have conscience. Okay, all right, all right. But here's what I'm trying to say is that right or wrong, yeah, whether they acknowledge it, they believe it, or thought about it, most people have heard about it. That's right, that's wrong. Now, whether they believe it or not, in many ways, is irrelevant. Because uh, you murder somebody, they're dead, and you're going to, you know, and they catch you doing it, they prove it, and your life's over. And I would venture to say that uh, most people, they're even on the run from that sin, their life is over anyway. And they know it. Because they're on borrowed time. But the issue here also has to do with, uh, with people who just literally, in, in this passage in Romans 1, they get to the point where they're like, uh, no, we're, we're smarter than that. We got this all figured out. Oh, really? How amazing is that? And they don't. But, and uh, then, you know, of course you can go to verse 23 and say, yeah, 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 but we don't, we don't, you know, we don't worship birds and animals and stuff like that anymore. Oh, really? Um, I would venture to say people have made youth um, body image possessions the lack of possessions all of these things have become idols for people and uh, anything by the way that comes before God is an idol Believe it or not, atheism can be an idol. People go, well, how does that work? 
Not believing God becomes an idol. It's because it becomes a faith system. Everyone, everyone has faith in something. Even if they don't have faith in God, they throw their faith in modern science. And I'm going to tell you, you need to read more science if you think modern science is going to solve everything. Um, there's uh, Modern science has done some wonderful things, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh, science is a very wonderful tool and a very poor master. So, anyhow. And this is coming from somebody with two science degrees. So anyway. Um, that being the case. What would I say? I would say this. Move toward God. Move toward God. He will show you. He will show you. If you, the faster you move toward Him, the faster He moves. Because you cannot outrun God. He will run toward you faster than you can ever imagine. And He will show you things. Now you say, well, what do you mean showing me things? What do you mean supernatural kind of? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Everyone's, everyone's different. And that's what's beautiful about the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is he meets you where you are. Where your education is, where your experience is, where your pain is. And he doesn't revel in people experiencing pain. He is a compassionate God. But if you choose to run your own show, he will not violate your free will. And he will let you do that. And most people that that happens to go on self-destruct. So... That being the case, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.